You can never say that I am the leader because that it's always someone else that tells you that. In any position when you start, you are the manager. That's how you start out. And if you are a good manager and you start to gain trust, then people will start to see you as their leader. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Tommy Jarnemark, CEO at Verified, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Tommy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. How are you this sunny Friday? It's a great Friday. Uh, actually, it's my birthday today. So it's uh, like, you know, being on your podcast and also having birthdays like a perfect match. Happy birthday. And you who listen to this, give a positive happy birthday thought to Tommy. Thank you. Let's kick this off then with first thing first, always. Can you please tell the listeners, what does your company verified do do the elevator pitch yeah the elevator pitch yeah no we, i mean our focus is to simplify and automate and also customize the most critical business flows for our clients um we are in the governance and risk compliance space so our flagship product right now is the the verified aml portal where we help our clients to stay compliant through their aml processes so we were born out of e-sign in eid but today we are a truly, uh, you know, a company focused on truly customizing our clients' uh, business processes. If we then pause regarding Verified for a while and shift the spotlights to you, you as a person, who is Tommy? Yeah, uh, well, I will not mention the year uh, or, you know, how old I am. You know, you never do that. Uh, but I, as a person, I've been a leader for quite some time or manager in, in within the digital space. Right now, the group CEO of Verified since uh, October 2021. Before I joined Verified, I worked in different industries, uh, telco, media, sustainable energy, education. But the main sort of common thread here is that I've been working with uh, digital business, scaling, um, and those type of areas. Um, I'm married, two kids, uh, live north of uh, Stockholm in Solentuna. So I think that's me. Then it's time for five quick ones. And now you need to be quick. I will say a word and you need to respond with the first sentence slash word that pops to your mind. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Electronic signature. Bread and butter. Sauce. High speed and data. Anti-money laundering. Key for sustainable business and in life and society. Sales. The foundation of a company. And the last thing, summer. Family, travel, spending even more time working out. Thank you for being quick. And we move on. It's time for business development. And first thing here, let's talk some KPIs. Which top KPIs on a company level, meaning for you, 
are the most important and why have you at Verified chosen them? I mean, you can have a tons of KPIs and of course, being in, in SaaS, you, you obviously have you know what everyone measure, but Verify, we are a bootstrap company um, and been that since the start. Uh, now we partnered up with Verdane as, as a growth partner, but being a bootstrap company, I, I will quickly jump in here. When you said bootstrap company, I'm like, I, I read that you got a ton amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, I, and, and we can come back to that. But, you know, being, a, and we still think that we are a bootstrap, uh, working with a bootstrap culture. Because, I mean, even though you have a partner to grow, it's super important that you invest the money in the right way and you get a good, you know, uh, return on, on the investment. But for, so for us, it all had, it had, has always been cash flow because if you don't have cash flow then you're out of business because being a bootstrap company that's you know what it's all about so measuring cash flow and also using that cash flow in, in investing in, in in new areas so that is a super key for us then you know looking at your business and how you steer your business i, I think the most important kpis for us is the health the health and the wealth of your clients because if you don't have clients you know, you're not a sustainable business over time. So net promoter score, net retention rate, lifetime value, you know, low churn, all of those KPIs that can give you a good picture of the, the, the level of health of your, of your client. Now, when we are scaling together with Verdane, you, what we are doing right now is that we are implementing KPIs that is more connected to each area of the, of the business or so for IT and and tech, they have their KPIs, sales, of course, and marketing and, and so forth. So we're sort of building this data foundation of being, being even more data-driven as a company when you're scaling, because then you really can use the data as a foundation for that. So, but I would say overall, you know, cash flow, net promoter score, and growth, those are the most uh, important KPIs for a company, I, I would say. If we stay here, we're going to keep this for a little while uh, because I, I, I'm personally the most curious about a business, like let's call it a financial KPI, minimum one, a sales KPI, a product KPI, and at least one human slash uh, colleague KPI. So what would you say from a product KPI and colleague KPIs are the most top for you? I mean, for, for a colleague and you know the people, we are definitely looking at the, the employer net promoter score um super important to measure that over time and when you're a small company i think you every day you sort of get that temperature temperature of the company so you don't need to send out a, a poll for that now when we are growing we're also implementing more of a you can call it a traditional system where you track um the health of the of the of the company and then the employees so that of course uh, when the when it comes to uh, product, I think measuring the net promoter score in different part of the customer journey is super important. It gives you a lot of information. Although you know that net promoter score is something that you can change over time, it will it will take time. But that to us is a super important uh, KPI uh, when you look at the health and and also the the level of user experience. Then of course. When you're, if you're working very, very much with your product, like having a product at growth, conversion rates, and those type of, of KPIs are, uh, of course, important for the product area. Good. 
Yeah, then it's time for uh, go to market then. Can you share some of your best practices around building a go to market machine? Well, we are I I would say that we are in, you know, we are leaving um a phase for the company right now where which have been very much focused on very very small investment in in marketing. Uh, we have been we are truly a sales driven company and and our growth up until now has been driven by you know the strong direct sales platform um, a lot of cold calling referrals approaching clients on LinkedIn social media those type of activities has been our way of of creating growth and it has been very very successful up until now uh, now when we are entering we are growing we want to become more dominant in the market the marketing is of course, the number one thing that we are now implementing. So we are in the middle of creating a, what's our go-to-market platform moving forward? You know, have a demand generation, the marketing uh, machine that can really support the sales guys when they contact the clients, like demand generation, content creation, and so forth. So you will basically continue what you have been doing, but with get, will get much more warmer and semi-warm leads now. Exactly. And you and also being much more focused because, I mean, when you are a bootstrap company, you don't turn down business, right? Because you need to get the cash in. You maybe turn down the like 180 business, but you don't turn down the 110 degrees business. Away. Exactly. And I think, of course, that also, if you look at our client bases, we have quite broad. Um, and I think moving forward, uh, we will can we will you know, be more focused, but still we are in this space where there's a lot of, of uh, needs to be covered. So we will not be that super, super ICP focused company moving forward, but, you know, put the money where you can get the biggest return on investment. And I think be more focused and having that playbook, I think that's the perfect, you know, description on where we are right now. And talking about, we have already tapped into this uh, topic now, sales channels. If you need to pinpoint one or two sales channels, what have worked the absolute best for Verified lately? Yeah, it's a combination of, of uh, direct sales, strong direct sales team and partnership, partner sales. For us, grasping the volume game when it comes to smaller enterprises, um, is a, the partner model is, is great and has been a great success, especially in Sweden for us. In Finland, for the last two years, we have some strong partners there. They are now evolving together with us. Uh, and I think that the partner model is for sure a strong concept in combination with, with direct sales. Because, you, I mean, you want to steer your direct sales where you have a high lifetime value and, and obviously a low a CAC on that. Yeah. So, and if you, that is a perfect mix for having a strong partner sales and also strong direct sales. And have you more and more now building a growth machine focus on not just low CAC, high lifetime value, but also like quick onboardings? Yeah, I mean, time to value is like super important for us. And I think this is an interesting thing because when you're, when you're scaling, some of the you know, growth equity partners or, or others would say, okay, now you need to streamline everything. You need to be like one size fits all, like the McDonald's way of doing it. We think, and I think the car industry and other completely different industries than the sauce has been really good at having high level of customizations, 
but they are good at working with modules. So the clients more or less think that, yeah, it's a high level of customization, but underneath is, you know, there are different modules that you put in place. And I think it has been a success for us to be focused on customization and we will continue doing that. But in order to not have super long onboarding times, you really need to work with a, a modular product portfolio. So I think that's going to be the key for us moving forward. But for sure, quick onboarding. And again, when the client is onboarded, you can send an invoice and the cash flow will be high as well. Talking about then uh, outreach, what would you say, not, not now generally for the sales team, we're talking about you. What would you say is the preferred way of doing outreach to you, Tommy? I am very active on LinkedIn. So I think LinkedIn is a good channel if you want to get a hold of me. But you really need to be super sharp in your uh, in your direct message to me. I try to reach out or answer when people send me a message on LinkedIn. But if you get this sort of feeling that it's like a mass send out, it's not personal, they have not done their homework on Verified, why they are contacting me, then it's hard. Then I would, you know, I, I will not answer those type of messages because then it's not interested. But if you do your homework, you try to tailor made your, your communication, LinkedIn is a perfect channel, much better than emailing or something like that. And obviously it's worked because you are here. And I exactly. reached out to you on LinkedIn. Exactly. And it was not a mass, uh, mass text. No, exactly. So it's a, that's a perfect example of, of, uh, of a great message. Start with LinkedIn and it should feel personalized and be super sharp as a DM. Good. Now it's time for a very important topic. Yeah. Uh, because now I want to know about your worst and biggest mistake you have ever made in business so i hopefully you should never say never but hopefully can avoid something like that going forward at least yeah wow it that's it's a it's a big question um first and foremost i think mistakes are important to to be made because when you do mistakes it it actually shows that you are learning because if you're not if you're not outside your comfort zone and make mistakes you're not learning, then you like going backward. And hopefully you don't do the same mistake twice because then it's getting more and more stupid. Exactly. No, but I think uh, one of my biggest mistakes uh, over the years is I entered a um, senior position. I I didn't do the proper due diligence of the company. I maybe was a little bit naive when it came to listening to some of the message that I got from from this, the main stakeholders. And when I entered that role, it was super obvious that this was not what has been communicated. Um, and I think that is, especially if you are entering in a CEO position or a high level senior executive position, it's really, really important that you look at the entire, try to get, go underneath and not so much be overwhelmed of, of everything that is laid out to you in, in that process. So do your own due diligence. I think that is super important. The, the position, it became quite a bumpy ride, but I learned a lot. So of course, when you get a lemon, you can still make lemonade of that. But I think that was one of the, my biggest mistakes, not doing a proper due diligence of, of the company and the, and the position when I entered. Um, so I think that is, if, 
if I can, you know, other teach someone when you're about to enter CEO position or another position, do the proper due diligence, even though, because even if it seems like a super interesting company, there can still be some flaws underneath. So what I just noted for myself, lesson learned, do your own deep due diligence if it's an important decision. Yeah, exactly. Now it's time for a topic of your choice. And this is a segment now that I will just sip it. So you have a couple of minutes, Tommy, to talk about whatever you want. The only framework here is that you need to be very passionate and nerdy about this topic. So the floor is yours. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Uh, no, I, I mean, I think this is maybe uh, an obvious thing for me, but being in sport, growing up with sports uh, over the years, I'm really nerdy about looking at, you know, workout videos at YouTube, and especially how the NFL and the MMA guys are planning their preseason training. So I'm like super nerdy. I can spend hours on YouTube watching how they plan their workout routines and everything. And since a couple of years, I'm, I'm actually working out with this personal trainer and he is like programming everything I do. And and, um, it, and it's quite funny because a friend of mine, he said, yeah, you are, you're like in con constantly in, pre in preseason training, but you never play. <laughs> so, so, so I think maybe that's the thing that I'm in right now. I, I really like being, I, I, sometimes call me a business athlete in that sense. I like, for me, working out is like being in, in therapy because it's such a, gives you energy, it gives you a rush in adrenaline and, and all other horm hormones that you need in order to stay sharp. So I think that is maybe the nerdiest thing that I do, watching and planning everything from a YouTube perspective when it comes to working out. How much time do you put on the planning part for your workouts? I would say between one and two hours every week looking at different uh, exercises and then what I would do. One of my best friends, uh, we work out every Sunday. So every before that, I spend some couple of, you know, 30 minutes looking at different exercises and plan that working to work out together. But at least a couple of hours, because I think that is important to stay sharp. I even challenged my own personal training, coming up with some new ideas. And so I think maybe, you know, we have become really good friends over the years now. So, And are you working out, is it three times? My goal is to always working out like three times a week. But sometimes you can get 20 minutes, sometimes it's, it's an hour. But you really need you know, get those hours into the gym. But uh, you know, being a CEO and you have a family and you have a lot of uh, obligations, then it's sometimes hard to get uh, a lot of those hours in the gym. Thank you for sharing about your topic of choice that I will uh, name workout. <laughs> Thank you. Now it's time for an external question. And today we are quickly joined by Nadir Benkala. And this is his question. Hi, Tommy. So my question is, what is your best method for identifying jobs to be done within your target audience? That is a really good question. Um, what we do, we have implemented what we call a pulse structure framework uh, into the company. And it means that we are tracking deviations in the entire company like three times a week right now. You can do it daily or depending on your pace in the company or where, or where you are as a, as a company. 
What we do is that we are denting deviations in the customer experience. And then uh, you connect needed improvements to those deviations and you follow these improvements and deviation ongoing. And by doing that, this is based from agile and lean culture. By following that framework, you create a, a tremendous grade of transparency in the company. And then you kind of watch how you improve the sort of everyday life of your customers. So that is to me a, a great framework that I've implemented. It's based on a framework that, that I learned back in the days um, and I can really recommend it. Um, so if you want to learn more, ping me on, on LinkedIn or, or uh, you know, uh, or reach out in a, in a different way. But I think that's the, how we work with improving, improving the customer experience and, and for our target audience. Nadir, thank you for the question. Now it's time to answering uh, some questions within leadership. First thing in leadership, are you a good leader? You know, my answer to that is, is it's not you that can say that you are a good leader. Um, in any position when you start, you always, you are the manager. That's how you start out. And if you are a good manager and you start to gain trust, then people will start to see you as their leader. So I think it's a very important distinction be, be, between being a manager and a leader. You can never say that I am the leader because that it's always someone else that tells you that. And you don't automatically start as a leader. Over the years, um, I, I have been having great feedbacks from people, people saying, yeah, I really see you as my leader. I think you're a great leader. So I'm very humble and thankful for actually receiving that feedback. But to me, you know, you need to look at your role as a manager and deserve to become a leader. I think that's uh, my answer on, on that question. I love this framing. Uh, wow, yeah, it was a really good framing. And I can't help giving it a thought like uh, Game of Thrones. I've been a huge Game of Thrones nerd. Uh, when uh, Tywin Lannister tells Jeffrey when he says, I'm the king, any man who needs to say he's the king is not the true king. It's same here. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have invited you here if I didn't have, from my point of view, data points that you are a good leader. And since we can agree that you're doing several things right, I want to go to the bottom with the core things here, your yeah. superpowers. What would you say are your superpowers, Tommy, as a leader? Well, I, I, I think if you want to get that trust and you want to gain the trust from others, I think you really need to be super interested in people. You know, being a people person, I think that is one of my talents to see other people and, and really care about people. I think maybe that has been over the years something that I've noticed that, okay, maybe that's the source of when you get accepted. How do you create trust? It's because, and if you have, if you can be self-confident, but also self-secure and, and, and show yourself vulnerable, and, and um, not having all the answers, like being a normal person in your manage and managing role, that's how you create trust, I think. So maybe one of my superpowers is actually seeing people and care about people. That is one. I think actually being, uh, being good in communicating, um, having a great dialogue, I think that is also being part of, of uh, me as a person. I think those two in combination are probably the the superpowers of, of myself. If we're going to talk about odd things then, 
Can you share an odd thing that you or a leader above you in the past have done that seemed very strange, like super odd at that point of time? But now when you look back, it's actually had a huge amount of impact. I, uh, I, I, did, I don't see any like odd things, but what I've learned, it's the little things that creates the most impact. And, and the, what I mean by the little things is that as a CEO, you're, you're expected to act in a certain way. When you are in a high level, you know, the old way of looking at high executive is like, okay, they are in the group management. They are like non-touchable. They are so super distanced to everyone else because they are so, such a high level. That's the traditional way of a manager, the corner office and, and, the, and the closed door. What I've learned over the years is the little things that creates the trust. Like I, you know, I heard from one of the employees here in, at Verified. He said, "You know, the reason why I joined here is because I saw you, you, you um, did the dishwasher." As a CEO, you know, I have never seen someone put that. You know, and I say, "Hey, Madame, you and being, of course, I, I'm responsible for my dishes." Yeah, but that was to me a super obvious thing. And then someone else is like, yeah, okay, you clean up after summer party. It's like, I think the little things, or for me, it's about leaning in the front. Like you, when the, there's a headwind, you are there, you know, struggling with your team. When there's a tailwind, you let the team be in front and you are in the back. Like, okay, hey guys, enjoy this moment. So it's not the odd things, but I think it's the little things that creates uh, great value uh, over time. Super insightful. And uh, if we're going to talk about then the worst things about being a leader, how do you stay on top of it? I've been having, you know, coaches and I actually saw a really, really talented um, uh, organizational psychology psychologist a couple of years ago in order to really, really deep dive in how, in how I behave as a leader. And it's super interesting to really understand because sometimes in certain circumstances, you, you can see that you act in a certain way. So I think it's like, if you are a leader, being super interested in other people, you also actually need to be super interested in yourself. How do I act in certain situation? Why do I do that? How can I improve in that situation? Because if you know how you behave under pressure, you also know, because you want to be pressured. Uh, when you're a CEO, there's tons of pressure and you need to know how you behave in those situations because otherwise it's very hard steering. So being self-conscious, I think that is how you stay on top of it. And you can never be done in get to know yourself because there will always be new situations and new behaviors. Um, so I think that is how I try to do it anyway. Now it's time for you to summarize. If you have to summarize leadership from your point of view with one word, what would that be? Trust. That's the word. Then leadership is all about trust then. Yeah, exactly. And we have entered the roundup. We only have three questions left. And the first thing here, which other two B2B socios do you think are interesting, doing interesting stuff and would like to listen to if they would be interviewed here in this podcast? You know, I would re I'm, I actually listened to uh, the first guy here. Um, 
in a, at a seminar. Um, his name is Jörn Lussegen. He's the founder of Meltwater. Now he's not the CEO anymore because he's the chairman. But, you know, he, he has done a tremendous journey, uh, you know, driving Meltwater to where it is today. That would be a um, super interesting company to listen to. And the journey that they are on now, they are like super big uh, Norwegian company. And then a little bit of a uh, maybe <laughs> for me interesting company to listen into more is the CEO of Banksoft because we are in the same sort of space. Tarje Schoes, he is the CEO of Banksoft. I I would really understand more on how he view the industry that we are in and um, how he views it moving forward. So that would also be very interesting. Banksoft and Meltwater then. Then it's yeah. time for me to add those two SaaS companies on my list. Second last question. Now you're talking to yourself. If you would give yourself, when you were a younger leader, think five, ten years ago, the top one to three things to think of, what would you tell yourself that you now know that you didn't know? The first um, thing I would say to myself, um, and I think this is super important for any position, um, in the beginning, try to find a really strong uh, leader that is above you um, because that leader will give you opportunities. It will give you more responsibilities and so forth. I think that is super important. I, I actually did that when I was in the, in the beginning of my career, f- tried to find that, um, that uh, leader. The second one is that surround you with with uh, people with a growth mindset, because it, and even in, in hard times, if you have a growth mindset and you ad- use that when it's hard when it's hard times, that will give you so much more energy, but also input on how to solve things. Then, then third thing I would say, having an athlete mindset. Um, I call it being a business athlete or there are other words you can uh, describe it. It's all about staying focused on your targets, your values, your belief, be persistent and work hard. I mean, if you want to go somewhere, you need to work hard. Being disciplined and focused, I think keeping up on that uh, is super important if you want to achieve things. And it doesn't matter. I mean, and now we are talking about being a CEO it's the same if you want to be an artist or, you know, focus on swim run or whatever. You need to be focused, disciplined, and persistent. So I think that's the third one. Amazing. And yes, now when you're talking about being an artist and a business athlete, etc., I can't not help it giving the, the King Slatan a shout out for what he has created during his decades of years being a winner. Exactly. We have arrived to the last question then. Where will Verified be in five years? We, uh, and this was the reason why we partnered up with Verdain. Um, we saw the opportunity to become a really true market leader in, in Europe uh, within our space. Um, our vision is to become a European powerhouse uh, within governance, risk and compliance um, in the next five years. Partnering up with Verdain, we needed a strong partner to do that. We believe in Strong organic growth, profitable, but also um, M&A as a foundation for growing. So looking at the next five years, that's what we want to uh, achieve. 
Uh, we want to continue being the most trusted partner to our clients. That's our purpose and our mission. But the big, hairy, audacious goal is actually, you know, that powerhouse on the European market. And who knows, maybe on some other markets as well. But that's what we're aiming for. Um, when it comes to revenues, I will not, uh, you know, give any numbers at this point. But uh, if we are a dominant player, we for sure are a quite large company for the future. And I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you. And now I'm quickly shifting the focus to you as been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, if you like what you heard and got some value here from Tommy, please tell a friend or a colleague to listen to this episode so they can get value too. And two, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming here every week. And Tommy, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes to get with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thank you. Thank you for having me.